Good afternoon and welcome. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. In case you haven't heard, the news just broke a few minutes ago in an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. Kevin McCarthy, the former Speaker of the House who was ousted in October, announced he will leave Congress at the end of this year. That's about a year before his term ends. He will not run for re-election. He said in his op-ed he wouldn't have had it any other way in terms of his career in Congress. That began back in 2006. So Kevin McCarthy uh, making good on uh, rumors that have been floating around Washington now for some weeks that he, in fact, will resign from Congress. And today here, it's midday uh, with the mayor. Frederick Mayor Michael O'Connor joins me. He was first elected in 2017 in both that election and in his re-election bid in 2021. The Democratic former city alderman garnered 70% of the vote. And the five members of the Frederick Board of Aldermen are all Democrats as well. Both the city of Frederick and Frederick County are growing exponentially. According to analysis of census data by the Metropolitan Washington Council of Governments, the city of Frederick added nearly 13,000 residents between 2010 and 2020, a population increase that is second only to Alexandria, Virginia, during that same period. That kind of rapid growth comes with challenges like school overcrowding and strain on transportation infrastructure. Mayor Michael O'Connor joins us today on Zoom. Mayor O'Connor, welcome back. Thank you, Tom. Good to be here. So let's talk about transportation uh, first. Uh, The state just announced this week uh, some $3.3 billion in transportation fund uh, uh, shortfalls. Secretary Paul Wiedenfeld Uh, said just yesterday that there's going to be huge cuts in the transportation budget. What will that mean for the projects that are top of mind for you and Frederick? Well, I think we're not alone in our disappointment with the the level of shortfall and the project cuts that have been outlined in the consolidated transportation plan that the secretary has talked about. Uh, Most notably for the city of Frederick is uh, a long awaited, long planned, and long advocated for widening of Route 15 through the city from 70 up to uh, Route 26, so really the core of our of our community. Um, it's, it's long been needed in Frederick. It has been the number one transportation priority of the city and the county for more than a decade. We are, uh, it's a failing highway, uh, both directions at, uh, both rush hours, really almost any time of day. And so to have a project that we had finally gotten into the construction pipeline a couple of years ago, uh, get zeroed out as part of this budget announcement is really disappointing. But we're gonna advocate for it. We think there's a case to be made and we know we're not alone across the state in making the case for projects that got zeroed out. We certainly understand as someone who has to build a budget every year, uh, the challenges that you face in, in providing all of the services and where you get the revenue in order to do that. But uh, this is a project that's not just about widening a highway. It's about economic development through the city of Frederick. It's about safety. Back in March, we had a, a, a pretty horrific crash uh, in that corridor that resulted in in the loss of life and uh, significant damage to homes nearby. Uh, very quickly, the state stepped in and made some improvements to that 
on-ramp and uh, protecting that neighborhood. So an acknowledgement at that time that uh, improvements are needed to this corridor. So we're going to continue to advocate. We think the Route 15 project is a project that's that's worthy of keeping in funding and finding a way to, to make it happen. And uh, we'll continue to do what we have to do to advocate to the secretary, to the governor, to the legislature, to, to anybody who's willing to listen to our call. And, uh, you know, when you mentioned public safety, there was a terrible crash just in uh, mid-October. Uh, a man named uh, William Arthur Whitted Jr. Uh, was in a wheelchair, and he was struck trying to cross that road. Uh, I guess that was on uh, U.S. 40. Uh, that was on, a, a, on U.S. Yes, on U.S. Route 40. A different, a different road. But when when it comes to those kinds of incidents, um, the the is the public safety angle your your best leverage? Uh, I mean, how how do you make the case given the fact that you know the Secretary of Transportation is talking about three point three billion dollars as a shortfall? That's a lot of money. Yeah, I think you have to make the public safety case. Any time that we're looking at making transportation improvements, even when you're talking at a, about a widening project, you're you're talking about how do you make the roadway safer for the vehicles that have to traverse through that area. Uh, when people get stuck in traffic, it, it elevates their, uh, their core temperature. Uh, they become perhaps a little bit more aggressive than they need to. Uh, when people have to wait in traffic, it frustrates them. It, it may lead drivers to uh, make decisions that wouldn't be the best if their commute was a, a little more seamless. Uh, on on the Route 40 corridor, which you mentioned, we're we're looking at a dedicated bus lane as part of transportation improvements there. So uh, transportation enhancements all across the city as the city continues to grow, which you noted in the opening, is a, is a primary uh, consideration for us. We're we're trying to maintain a high quality of life for our residents in Frederick, for the businesses that that choose to locate here, for the visitors to come to town, and addressing our transportation needs in a holistic way um, to build a system that works for for all modes of transportation uh, is, remains a priority. It has to be a priority, and, and public safety is a big part of that. It's midday with the mayor. My guest is Mayor Michael O'Connor, who is the mayor of Frederick. If you have a question or comment for Mayor O'Connor, 410-662-8780. Our email is midday at WIPR.org. So, Mr. Mayor, uh, you introduced a strategic plan, a 10-year strategic plan for the city of Frederick. Frederick, as I mentioned, uh, the population growth between 2010 2020, uh, just enormous. Uh, in the beginning of their, your strategic plan that you've uh, recently introduced, um, you imagine a city of Frederick with 85,000 people. Um, how many, uh, what's the current population, uh, and, and do you expect uh, this, this kind of rapid, accelerated growth uh, to, to level off at any point in the future. Yeah, that's uh, that eighty-five thousand number was by twenty thirty. It's a it's a twenty thirty strategic plan, and uh, we're certainly on target to to hit that number. We may be, in fact, a little bit uh, ahead of that pace. Uh, Frederick is a desirable place for people to want to live. Uh, I think what we're experiencing is some of the effects of the pandemic, quite honestly, um, where people can can do a little bit more remote working and, and can then make other decisions about where they want to live based on that principle. And that might lead them to decide they want to live a, far, a little bit farther out from their jobs because they know they might only have to report to a job site two or three days a week. Um, we have a high quality of life in Frederick. We've got 75 parks in the city of Frederick. We have uh, minor league baseball. We have golf course. We have an airport. Um, we have a great beautiful historic downtown, uh, all of those things lend themselves to attractiveness. And I think residents who are looking for a place to live want to be in a full service community that provides a high quality of life. 
and Frederick checks almost every one of those boxes. We have a uh, a, a low per capita crime rate that 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 stayed low relative to uh, the region and the state as a whole, despite our growth. All of those things are reasons why people would want to come here, and so we're seeing that pressure of people wanting to move into a community. How do you provide housing for them at at an appropriate rate to to meet the public's uh, demands? How do you keep the price point affordable um, at all income levels? Uh, th- they are the challenges that we have to deal with in a growing community. And among those challenges are schools. You've got some very overcrowded school buildings uh, in the city of Frederick. The superintendent, uh, this is according to the Frederick News Post, introduced a plan a while back that would have uh, redistricted uh, some of the schools. Three high schools in particular would be reconfigured. Uh, the first plan was introduced that would affect about 2,400 people. Uh, that didn't go over particularly well. They came back uh, with some other options, and uh, they ended up, I think, with an option that included one that affects uh, fewer than 300 students, um, which is obviously uh, the one that the, most of the current parents of high school students in Frederick prefer. Um, but that doesn't solve the problem, does it? I mean, how how do you approach the uh, the the issue of school redistricting? I know that's not you know specifically in your bailiwick. There's a there's a school superintendent who deals with that sort of thing. But uh, what what's your perspective on that particular challenge? Yeah, frankly, Thomas, it's a challenging one. As as someone who uh, did some of what you did before I got into public office and and covered a lot of board of education meetings back in the the late '80s and into the '90s and early 2000s in Frederick, as Frederick has seen the county and city um, really grow throughout that time period, I've never seen a redistricting plan that was popular. Um, it's 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 tough to ask people to to change schools, schools they expect they're going to go to. Uh, we have an adequate public facilities ordinance in the city of Frederick. So when we're looking at new development projects, um, we're looking at the impacts of those developments, housing and, and other economic development projects uh, against schools, against transportation needs, against water and sewer infrastructure and against parks, all the things that I think speak to those quality of life questions. Um, we we also understand that while we don't control uh, the construction of the school, we want to make sure that we're giving the public school system adequate notice of what our intent are. So we've developed growth plans in the city of Frederick that are consistent with our own comprehensive plan adopted by our Board of Aldermen, consistent with the county's comprehensive plan, Livable Frederick, uh, and that document. And so it's about maintaining ongoing communication uh, about what our, our desires are, what our, our long-range plans look like, giving the school system and the county adequate notice about where we want growth to occur, and being responsible in the way that we do it so that we're not taking actions that imminently overcrowd a school without providing adequate notice to uh, the county and the Board of Education about our intent. What we want to make sure that we're cautious against doing is leaving ourselves at the will of another elected body when we have our own comprehensive planning documents that we're trying to follow as well. So, you know, growth and the growth and development conversation, it's a it's a constant balance in, in communities uh, that I, I don't see how we'll ever resolve it fully. It's about being thoughtful in our approaches to how we address those issues. Uh, one of the alderwomen uh, on the board of uh, aldermen and women, Katie Nash, uh, in the middle of October, again, this is according to the Frederick News Post, pro- proposed uh, a, a moratorium uh, on development uh, because of the zoning issues, the overcrowding of schools, etc. Uh, this is something that uh, has also been proposed at the county council 
level. Um, what do you think of that idea? Just basically putting a halt on everything until the zoning issues get worked out. Well, that proposal was for a specific portion of the city where we're in the process of looking at a development of a new uh, uh, regulatory code uh, document. I have to say that the moratoriums uh, are should be should be used sparingly, and they should be used when you can really document um, critical life safety and health impacts that you're trying to to mitigate against. The last time um, a moratorium was put in place on development in the city of Frederick was 20 years ago when there was a pretty significant water shortage. Uh, I think when it comes to, to land use policy, what we have to do is, is adopt new land use plans. We have to uh, develop the regulations to support the implementation of those land use plans, but our land use documents are living documents. We don't have the luxury as a community, I think, of, of stopping um, while we while we do that, um, I think that uh, has uh, unforeseen economic impacts on a community. I think it has uh, the potential to uh, ch challenge uh, future budgets. Um, I think it's a potentially sends uh, the the wrong message to people that want to come to Frederick, whether to live here, whether to 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 play here, whether to build a build business here. So it's not my preferred approach. Um, there's not been um, a a, a clear consensus on that emerged from other members of the board. It's a proposal from one individual, but I've not heard any other member of the board say that that's something that they're in favor of. Um, I, I think that's probably a conversation that's to be continued. Mayor Michael O'Connor is the mayor of Frederick. He's my guest today here on Midday with the Mayor. Let's go to the phones. Camille is on the line from Frederick. Welcome to the show with Mayor O'Connor. Thank you. And what's on your mind? Uh, so me, my family and I live in an area of Frederick um, close to South Street and South Market. And it was an area that traditionally, like back in, you know, times before uh, this neighborhood was predominantly African-American and this part of the city was sort of part of the city divided by Carroll Creek that kind of segregated downtown in many ways. Um, there are a lot of resources here for people in need, which is a good thing. However, it can also be a bad thing for property owners who see uh, their property value kind of being suppressed by this really high concentration of, you know, services for homeless people and primarily like Shepherd Pratt, um, their presence here with um, halfway homes for people recovering from addiction. And I just wanted to make a comment that the kind of density of these resources in this neighborhood um, concerns me because I can see why it would kind of prohibit growth. I mean, we're seeing property values in the neighborhood rise. Um, however, we're still contending with a lot of crime and a lot of um, kind of tension uh, between some of the neighborhood's newer residents and some of like these folks that who may live at a Shepherd Pratt facility, for yeah. example. Okay, well, thank you, Camille. I appreciate uh, the comment, Mr. Mayor. What do you think? I think there's always going to be a tension uh, between uh, neighborhoods and the placement of. Uh, social services. Our Department of Housing and Human Services is headquartered in a building in that neighborhood and has been there for um, more than 20 years, probably closer to 30 years. 
Uh, I think that uh, when when she when Camille talks about um, how property values have risen, it's it's always an interesting um, uh, juxtaposition. So we're seeing property values go up. We've seen tremendous new investment in the neighborhood, despite the presence of those social services organizations. Uh, one message that sends to me is that the 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 services themselves aren't an impact necessarily on. Uh, property values and uh, development interests in, in those neighborhoods. Um, our responsibility as a city with the placement of services wherever we put them is that we're providing the adequate support and wraparound that's necessary in any neighborhood um, to make sure that the residents that move into the ne that neighborhood know that they've got the full support of the city behind them. So that's making sure that we're addressing um, you know, transportation needs, code enforcement issues, adequate law enforcement and police funding, um, all of those things. Uh, social services in and of themselves uh, don't invite, um, aren't I, a, a direct drain. The, the problem is that the people who are, who are facing issues of poverty are often victims themselves, most likely to be the victims themselves. So um, it's a it, there's a tension. There's always going to be a tension. And these services are necessary in a community like Frederick. We have to figure out where they're going to go. They've been in these neighborhoods for a really long time. That hasn't stopped some redevelopment and gentrification occurring in those neighborhoods. Uh, but I, I appreciate the tension that they present. And I think it, it requires us as as elected officials and leaders in the community to be constantly um, vigilant um, and thoughtful about how we look at expansion of those services and, and, and the work that we're doing every day to benefit, frankly, all of our residents, the residents that live in our most affluent neighborhoods and pay the highest property taxes, and those residents that really do need that support and assistance from their government. Let's go to another caller on the line, Colin from Frederick. Welcome to the show with Mayor O'Connor. Hi, thanks. Um, <clears throat> just trailing off of the last caller, I mean, um, I, I appreciate all of the services that we provide um, those communities. Um, but I have heard of, uh, like, Philadelphia busting in some of their homeless po uh, population into Frederick. I don't, I don't know that that's 100% true, but I have heard that, and I wondered if there was any kind of way to <clears throat> – I've heard that they've been fined for those types of practices. I don't know that that's still continuing, but um, – <clears throat> My actually, actually, the reason I called was because um, I live in um, uh, Lake Langenor, which is a pretty large um, suburban area outside of Frederick, and we recently um, started construction of a massive um, community there. I don't know, some maybe like 900 homes or something like that. And um, Lake Langenor, the community, kind of is you know um, integral in protecting the water source for Frederick County. And no, Colin, our, our time's sure. a little short, so do you have a specific question for uh, the mayor? We can ask the mayor uh, about uh, the the well, rumor you've heard about <clears throat> Philadelphia, but what's your quick question for the mayor? Uh, I guess the quick question was um, all the residents, you know, did their best to try and slow the development um, based on the overcrowded schools, and we weren't successful. So I wondered if, you know, on the back end, if there was still some attempt um, by by the county government to um, mitigate that impact while the development's occurring. All right, Mr. Mayor, let's start with Philadelphia. Are, uh, is there uh, any truth to the statement that uh, uh, refugees uh, who ended up in Philadelphia are being uh, bused to Frederick? I, I, I've not heard that, that uh, and I think I would know. So I think that's one of those rumors that 
winds itself around uh, the internet and social media. Glad we can put um, that to rest. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, what I will say is that we, we also look at our annual point in time count um, to, to help us understand whether or not the, the magnitude of, of homelessness is, is increasing in our community. Um, we're not seeing substantial increases, a bit of an uptick post-COVID, um, but not anything that's, that's, that's out of the norm. Uh, we know that rising home prices create other pressures um, that can lead to uh, increases in, in homelessness. Uh, we do provide all of the services, so we, we can't we can't hide that fact that if people come to Frederick and they need help, they're going to be able to find services that can support them. You know, the broader issue with regards to development out in the county, the county, I think, is, is uh, and I, I give great credit to our current county executive, Jessica Fitzwater, and her predecessor, Jan Gardner. They're very attentive to uh, the needs of the broader county uh, education uh, system in how we make sure that we're adequately uh, preparing for um, the 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 growth that we know is is part of our plans, and so uh, that that means investments in new schools. Uh, it 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 has to include uh, considerations that growth should be occurring in and around our municipal governments. That's the best place for the growth to occur. It's where the infrastructure already exists. So um, it's it's an ongoing tension, but and one we take seriously. And Mr. Mary, just in our last couple of minutes here, uh, a, a charter review commission uh, published a report with some recommendations. One of them uh, is to extend voting rights uh, for city uh, officials uh, to non-citizen residents. Um, and that's a, an interesting uh, and sometimes controversial idea. What's your take uh, on that proposal? So we're taking all of those 19 recommendations that we've gotten from the Charter Review Committee. There hadn't been a comprehensive review of the Charter. We've made some changes over the last decade or so, but there hadn't been really been a con comprehensive review in, in probably uh, 13 to 15 years. Um, we're going to look at all the recommendations and try and evaluate them based on pros and cons. Um, were the City Board of Aldermen to vote to uh, to take this path, we would not be the first community in Maryland to do it. I think we would be the 12th municipality to extend um, voting rights to, to non-U.S. Uh, citizens. Um, but there's costs associated with that in terms of the way we run our elections and how we've historically collaborated with the county. And so um, we want to be able to look at the pros and cons of all of these, give the Board of Aldermen that's ultimately going to make that decision the best information they can um, to, to, to move forward with. Until we do that staff analysis and look into all of that, I'm, I'm not prepared today to say whether I think it's a good idea or not. I think we've got to look at all of the, the pros and cons. Uh, for for uh, some years now, the state or the city has been asking the state for uh, infrastructure help to build a new hotel uh, in downtown Frederick. Right now, uh, as things stand, there isn't a, a major hotel in the city. Um, Governor Moore has a very different disposition about this than Governor Hogan, uh, although it's unclear uh, whether or not you know Governor Governor Moore would would make it possible for the the state funds that are necessary uh, to go ahead with this project. This project has been going around, uh, you know, been considered now for a long time. Uh, they're talking about building, I think, a Marriott hotel in the uh, the old site of the Frederick News Post. Um, where does that stand right now? Is that going to happen? It's a project that, that remains a top priority. We we are uh, you know a community of our size. We do not have structured downtown lodging in in downtown Frederick. There are hotels in Frederick, but there's nothing in our in our core downtown. And I think that makes us a little bit unique uh, in communities of our size, probably anywhere in the country. Um, and so we we think this is a good project, a project that's worthy of city, county, and and state support. It's a constrained site. It's in our historic core where there's additional development costs associated with it because of a uh, historic preservation overlay. 
And uh, we've been really pleased with the reception that we've gotten from uh, Governor Moore and his administration on on partnering. It's it's not unprecedented for uh, local county and state governments to be partners with the private sector in these projects. The private sector, we're putting the lion's share of the money into this project, about $70 million. Um, and what we're looking to do is to um, get the kind of support that was used to build the North Bethesda Marriott in Montgomery County um, and uh, a support that's not dissimilar from some of what you've seen in Cambridge, in Baltimore, in Rocky Gap. It's it's a great partnership that stands to benefit um, all levels of government and the economic impacts are substantial. Mayor Michael O'Connor is the mayor of Frederick. Mr. Mayor, thanks for your time today. I look forward to having you on again and uh, continuing our conversation. I appreciate it, Tom. Look forward to it myself. Thank you. And coming up, Baltimore Sun columnist and former Midday host Dan Rodericks returns to Studio A to tell us about two plays that he's written that draw on his journalism and broadcasting career that spans five decades. Dan joins me on the other side of a quick break. I'm Tom Hall. It's Midday. Stay with us. This is Baltimore's NPR News Station, 88.1 WYPR.